Welcome once again to Benchwork, a podcast designed to provide you with knowledge, experiences, tools, and ideas about venture capital, entrepreneurship, and finance. Interviews and conversations with top-notch global experts will take place every week, hosted by me, Hector Shibata, Director of Investments and Portfolio at Daisy Ventures, a global corporate venture capital fund, an associate professor for entrepreneurial finance and venture capital. Don't forget to follow us for more content on Medium, LinkedIn, and Twitter as ACB underscore BC. With no more to say, hope you enjoy this episode. So hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being today with us. Today we have Kartik Prabhakar. He's a partner at Shiratai in India. So thank you so much, Kartik, for being today with us. My pleasure, Hector. Thank you. It's, so uh, it's a pleasure to interact. No, thank you. Let's, let's start the conversation. So first of all, who's, who's Kartik? Tell us a little bit about your background, please. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, so quick background about uh, myself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually a, a technology person. So I, uh, I'm born and brought up in Bangalore, the Silicon hub of uh, India. And uh, all through my studying days, uh, it's, it's always been about, uh, you know, uh, engineering or medicine as, as in, in uh, the growing developing economies. Uh, but I think after my engineering, I had actually grown a very strong passion for technology and, uh, you know, was building a lot of products. And I think claim to fame uh, is uh, I built an operating system during my engineering uh, uh, academy as part of one of the projects. We were very excited about it, but when we went to present, uh, you know, the, the whole question was, hey, what is this? And we were actually excited about the operating system working. Uh, so post that, uh, I worked with Intel uh, in their software division. And, uh, you know, I was working in a small startup within Intel. It was then that I really realized that, uh, you know, I really loved technology, but I wanted to do more. Uh, you know, when you're building technology, you're building for possibly the next decade or the next 20 years. It's in the future, but I wanted some action here and now. So I thought uh, amalgamation of business and technology is what I like, which is here and now where you're in the action and you're doing something where you can see tangible result over the next five, six years, not 20 years, 30 years. Uh, so that's when I jumped into uh, you know, the MBA brand wagon. Uh, so I went to one of the top B schools in India. To be very honest, I had no clue what VC was back then. I was looking at something where it said investing in technology. I found it fascinating. So I thought, let me explore what this is. Anyway, it's just eight weeks. If it's not good, anyway, I'm ending it in eight weeks. If it's good, then I enjoy the eight weeks. Uh, at the end of eight weeks, I really loved it. I had actually ended up sourcing one deal. I had worked with one of the founders and potentially that was on a path to an exit. And I had also built a thesis on at least two other areas. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was also, I had also uh, kind of managed to dabble with some parts of marketing for the firm itself. So it was like a snapshot of everything that a VC does. And uh, so, yeah, and then I kind of joined full-time and it's been 10 years now. I'm uh, one of the partners 
uh, and lead our uh, investments across uh, consumer, fintech, and uh, software. And I also lead our global efforts on fundraising. On the personal front, uh, you know, Karthik, I'm a very passionate uh, wildlife and photography person. So our name Chirate is actually a, a local language name for a leopard. So I, I influenced the rebranding of our firm to something which is close to my heart, which is wildlife. And uh, although I have not been able to do that for the last couple of years, and right now, very much in the comforts of home, managing two young toddlers, uh, and that's who I am. Well, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your experience. It's, it's very impressive. So how do you, which one do you like better, being an investor or being an entrepreneur? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, more and more, I, I love being an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, that's where all the action is. Uh, being an investor, you're on the sidelines and you're basically always having this urge to say, hey, let's do it this way. But ultimately the buck stops at the entrepreneur. Uh, but I think the good news, uh, and which is why I still continue to be an investor, is my organization itself, to some extent, is a startup. Uh, we are a very young VC firm. We are building our own practice of building a firm where we are raising capital, we are building strategies, we are building new business lines to make sure that we compete with some of the global brands. So in the last 10 years, you know, I joined in the very early days of the firm and uh, part of the core management where, you know, I think I, I see the pains of going and raising capital, what it means to really build a business. So I see this as building a business in the investment management side, uh, but still what really gives me a lot of fun is that building part, not really the uh, sourcing deals and finding an investment opportunity. So, uh, so yeah, so it's it's entrepreneurial, which which excites a lot. So tell us, how do you build? How do you establish a VC fund? And what's a VC fund? Okay, great. So, uh, you know, if if you see the ecosystems, there are lots of companies which keep coming up every day. Uh, in India, if I just take a number from, from what I uh, read from uh, various sources, there are roughly around 8,000 to 10,000 companies that get registered every year in India at a minimum. And, uh, you know, this is just companies. There are many other forms of entities that get created. Private limited companies, there are 10,000 companies that get formed in India. But not every company sees light at the end of the tunnel. And there is a lot of capital that is required for some of these companies to grow. That's from an entrepreneur's perspective. Now let's look at it from a capital perspective. There are lots of pools of capital all across the globe, which is finding avenues which can create great returns and hedge against the various other types of returns that investors are looking at. So we see uh, you know, venture capital emerged where it created a space for capital, which is looking for disruptive returns and ideas, which is looking for capital to create such disruptive outlook. So we see sits right there. Uh, you take very high risks and potentially when you make 20 investments, there is one company or two companies which 
make up for all the losses that you're doing. So that's really VC. Uh, and globally, world over, there is tons of capital which is available to encourage such high-risk asset class. The simple math is from, from somebody who has capital, the perspective is world over, if you see today, bond returns are negative. Uh, fixed income is going down the drain. Uh, equity returns are choppy. And uh, you know possibly any other returns like crypto uh, is also choppy. In, in a world like that, pools of capital are looking for long-term superior returns. And that's where there is a space for VC, which is, uh, you know, which is attracting roughly around $50 billion that gets invested every year, if you see across the world, 50 to $70 billion. And we form a very small chunk investing 50 to $70 million every year in the VC asset class. And, and how do you store the VC fund? Because at the very beginning, I mean, it depends on your experience, it depends on your network, how do you frame the investment thesis? The fundamentals for a VC fund is, do you have opportunities that you can invest in, which can create those superior returns? And when I say superior, we are talking about at an aggregate level, creating a 20, 25% kind of net returns. And at an individual level, when you make investments, can a company create a 50%, 100% kind of return uh, over a five-year, seven-year timeframe? So anybody who's looking at starting a VC fund, I think the fastest way is approach one is where you're actually using your own capital uh, and friends and family to start off with a few angel investments, uh, which start giving that experience and track record over, a, over two, three years where you can make a couple of investments and start building a track record which automatically starts attracting more deal flow to you to look at investments and to expand your investing horizon there is more capital that starts coming to you the other traditional approach to starting a vc fund is to build a very strong network of deal flow uh, of opportunities that you can invest in and go out to formally fundraise on the basis of these deal flow to raise a pool of capital, it could be $10 million, $50 million, $100 million, but that gives a start and you build a track record over a period of time. I must admit that building a VC fund is a very arduous process. It's not unlike an entrepreneurial journey where you are starting up and you potentially have the outcome and you see where you are headed in a five, seven year time frame. In a VC firm, it's a constant journey. Your first fund will start giving you some sort of outlook by the fifth or seventh year. You continue to raise a second fund on the hope that you still have a lot of opportunities. It's by the third fund that you would have shown some proof points of your success of your first fund when you're raising the third fund by the eighth year of your first fund. So when you're actually raising a fourth fund, which is typically 12 years out since you first started, is when you would have established a VC firm. So it's a very long journey and building a track record is a very critical path as part of this journey, uh, which 
as I said, you know, to my earlier uh, response, entrepreneurial versus investor, you're actually sitting on the sidelines as an investor for those 12 years. Of course, you're influencing, of course, you're helping, of course, you're creating a lot of support, but ultimately the entrepreneur has to create that value. If the entrepreneur does not have that mojo in them, you know, it, it doesn't go anywhere. So in my view, an investor's core job is selection, selecting the right kind of people to back and then let them do their work. As long as you've done the right selection and supporting them in their path, giving them that ammunition, giving them a direction, giving them uh, you know, the right kind of connects and letting them be, letting them run that is what is the best bet to create uh, a VC fund in an emerging economy. It's, it's a very different scenario in the US if you see, because the US ecosystem has a very different kind of an entrepreneurial ecosystem where you have talent, uh, which has, uh, you know, uh, uh, a very different kind of skill set. Whereas in emerging economies, you're really betting on the founding team. Uh, you can't really bring in somebody to manage and build because the motivations are very different. Nobody is as motivated as the founder to derive and create value. I will assume that one of the key challenges as you build the fund, as you establish the fund is capital raising. So how do you, how do you interact? How do you connect with limited partners? And how do you convey the message so they invest in your fund? Sure. Well, that's a good question. I think the answer to that question has changed uh, post-pandemic, but let me cover both uh, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Uh, in general, when you're starting off, I think the fastest and the most high probability success path to uh, this process is actually going to people whom you already know. Raise money from people who you have already interacted with, who know you well, who know you through a connection. Because otherwise it's, you know, finding a needle in a haystack. There are lots of investors all across the globe, but everyone will want to know you as a person before they put in money in you. So it can be a wild goose chase where people typically want to understand you for a year to two years before they make a commitment. So the fastest way is you're basically juggling. The goal is not to raise the first fund successfully. The goal is to raise a fund to position you well to raise your second and third fund successfully. I think that's a very important path to keep in mind. You've got to dedicate a five or 10 year plus to a VC asset class if you're really going in that direction because you also make returns only in a 10 year cycle once you create the returns and earn carried interest. So number one, allocate a 10 year cycle in your lifetime if you're starting up as a VC. Number two, goal towards raising a first fund which is good enough for you to start making investments and create a track record. So you can quickly go back to the market and raise a second fund. And when you're doing so, first fund, focus more on people who you already know, who are referenceable and who you are referenceable to. As you start going to the second fund and third fund, I think it's very important to be structured, 
look at it as some of you may have a enterprise sales experience i guess so look at it as a enterprise sales a b2b sales process it's a long consultative selling process it typically takes 18 months to 24 months to convert from a initial conversation to a final check and uh, it is it is more about understanding what your customer needs rather than going and selling what you have so step 1 in that will actually become identifying your target list of who you want to raise money from there are different pools of capital there are institutions uh, who are looking at financial returns uh, but they have certain portfolio constructs that they want to stick with then there are uh, you know endowments and foundations which have large pools of capital uh, but again they have certain other objectives in terms of advancing development there are development financial institutions with a very high focus on advancing development in developing economies there are family offices who are looking at an alternative way to hedge their uh, returns uh, and potentially create superior returns and and finally there are government agencies who are looking at advancing investment activity in their countries so there are different pools of capital you got to strategize and make sure that you target each of these with a very different approach you can't go to a government agency and talk about you know i'm going to create superior returns by investing outside your country uh, that's anyway a non sell right and similarly you can't go to a development finance institution and say that uh, you know i don't care about any impact any development you know i will give you returns similarly you can't go to a financial house and say i will create a lot of impact in the world so give me money so it's very important to strategize and identify who your customer is and of course there are also corporates by the way who have lots of capital on their balance sheet just between apple microsoft and google i think the capital on their balance sheet is equivalent to uh, you know many countries gdps so there is a lot of capital which is there lying there looking for avenues to deploy but the corporate capital looks for avenues where there is some strategic alignment so this process requires understanding your target what is their interest it's not just about returns but it's also not about anything else at the cost of returns so returns is hygiene you got to create returns for sure but there is something more that different pools of capital look for so it's very important to understand that and pitch accordingly now when you, when i give all of these things all of this can just be massively time consuming you can just go you know building a lot of air miles meeting tons of people but at the end of the day getting no results which is where strategizing is very important you got to decide how much of capital you need what are the pools of capital are there referenceable connects even in these pools of network that you can get to and more importantly do a lot of homework when you are actually not fundraising so when you are not in a fundraising mode meeting a lot of these people getting a lot of insights and and the good the good part is there are some organizations which do that for a living uh, there is a prequin which uh, you know you should subscribe to something like that it costs but it's worth that expense because it's cheaper than uh, you know burning a lot of air miles 
but they do that homework and say what kind of pools of capital are looking at what kind of strategies in the next 12 months so you know if it is top of mind for somebody or not then you don't even need to waste time with somebody similarly there is another platform called fintrx which is covering all family offices so there are three four such platforms which give that insight so it requires a lot of desk work strategizing and then going out to the market which has the highest possibility of uh, conversion rather than you know, you know blindly hitting the road uh, for a sales process now coming to the post pandemic the world has changed for good all of us are in a better place in a pre pandemic i don't think hector would have imagined a virtual classroom and inviting somebody from india and i wouldn't have imagined having had the honor to interact with all of you uh, far away from india that's possible today and everyone's comfortable with that it's become routine it's the same case for investors uh, you know i personally as a, you know as a vc in the last 8 uh, months uh, since we kind of uh, actively started investing post pandemic we've already made around seven investments or no uh, around uh, 10 investments and in none of those cases have we personally met the entrepreneurs uh it doesn't mean we'll ever meet we will of course meet but we have gone past the hurdle that you need to personally meet somebody and only then you can write a check i've raised uh the quantum of capital that i raised for a current fund that i'm fundraising i've raised almost the same amount in the last one year that i did in the previous one year uh and the previous one year was largely from our existing investors the last one year is all new investors so i've been able to go raise money from people who are new to us in the last one year of close to 100 million dollars and no physical meeting and people are writing large checks what it means is in the post pandemic world it's actually got better you can do all that homework and do three meetings one in mexico one in us one in europe on the same day and get more efficient and if things are going well and if you see that there is advanced conversation then you can plan a trip to build that additional comfort in the pre pandemic you had to do that first meeting also face to face so i think things have gotten better people have gotten more comfortable with digital technologies the opportunity is here for all of us to capture so if any of you is looking at starting a vc fund the time is now there is a lot of capital as long as you have access to a strong differentiated deal flow i think capital is available say that you have already raised the capital so the next stage in the process is obviously doing the investment how do you manage the investment process as a bc fund and how do you build the portfolio yeah. no good question so uh you know obviously uh, you know when you start off the every company that you look at looks very exciting uh you know every startup is doing something very different so what we typically look at as a process it is important to make sure that you do not fall for a self selection bias or a confirmation bias so as a process it's important to create some guardrails as part of your process to ensure that 
a single person's past experience is not coloring your investment decision it can help for some period but over a longer period of time the it the it averages downwards than upwards uh it's very much similar to you know how uh, governments run uh, you know democracy is good in the long run uh but in the short run it's very important to have an authoritative uh path so that you get speed and velocity in your process it's a very similar thing i believe uh you know to start a vc fund it's very important to have an opinion oriented thought process to start off very quickly but you got to have a larger pool of other people with different experience which will make sure that you're averaging upwards in terms of investment decisions so as a process it's very important to have a look at a lot of deals before one arrives at an investment decision what it also means is you got to look at five six key factors one the decision typically hinges on a team so evaluating the team for uh, you know for their capability is one and then evaluating the uh, market opportunity is the second part evaluating how differentiated is this company compared to anybody else is the third part and what is the potential returns there could be many companies which will tick all the first three boxes it's a large market very good team very differentiated but potentially it is it is such a niche industry that you may not get exit there you may not have any buyers for that company the company may not have the ability to go public so then your investment is not going to create returns so vc investments are suitable only to around 1% of startups most of the others it's not a suitable thing so it's very important to identify is the startup suitable from a vc perspective because vc funds typically run as 10 year funds so you got to invest and exit in a 6 7 year time period does it fit that bill it may create value over 20 years but that's that's not for you that's for somebody else so it's very important to identify that so as a process it's important to have a way to measure each of these things articulate each of these factors and arrive at a decision and more importantly have a process to self correct over a period of time you can't be obsessed over being the right in every decision but as you make each decision having a process at the end of the day maybe once a year to just reflect on the investments made and how they are faring and how did the investment decision map with how it is doing today will help in correcting that decision so there is no golden uh, you know uh, egg here which can give all the right answers but you will figure it out on what metrics to really look for over a 2 3 year period once you start reflecting on what are the criteria you used how is it faring today what is the course correction to be made and lastly making sure that uh, you know these are implemented into your decision making is is very very crucial now when you're building a portfolio construction uh you know as a vc one is looking at investing in 20 30 companies with a hope to create massive outcome you should go with the view that there will be multiple companies which will not see light at the end of the tunnel so in that case how do you take a decision you can be completely grounds up 
and uh, you know say, say that uh, making all the best investments, but they will possibly show me the returns over a period of time. But that is also a very high risk strategy. It can also lead to uh, you know investments not really giving returns at all. You can have a lot of write offs. So one suggested approach is while you keep doing bottom up, while you keep looking for very good opportunities. In the beginning days of your VC firm, continue to do completely bottom up. Look for great opportunities, but restrain yourself on jumping the gun on the first good investment that you see. That will automatically start giving comfort. It's very important to, you know, that's where the mindset of an entrepreneur and the mindset of an investor has to be 180 degree opposite. As an entrepreneur, you have a 5% chance of success. You have an opportunity, you got to go grab it. As an investor, you have a 75% chance of success and you have the opportunity near you. You will still have to say, let me just take sleep over it. Let me see if there is, if I have ticked all the boxes, if I've looked at everything else. So it's important to do that homework. And that doesn't mean that be very slow in your process. There are ways to be entrepreneurial as an investor. How does it happen? by going with a prepared mind, by ensuring that you've already done your homework, you know the space well, and you're not trying to learn about the space when you meet the entrepreneur. You should be as knowledgeable as the entrepreneur the day you meet the entrepreneur. So you can actually take that decision on the same day, but that is actually going with a prepared mind. You've already spent six months on the space. So it's very important to distinguish that and not really see somebody doing that as jumping the gun. They're possibly going with a prepared mind, but don't go with the perception that you've got to take a quick decision and without thinking, just cut a check because somebody else is cutting a check. So coming back to the portfolio construction, it's important to do that bottom up, but as a top down, build a construct to make sure that you're able to course correct, which means in a fund, there is a pool of capital. You're investing in 20, 30 companies maintain a pool of capital within that, which you can keep as reserves to make sure that any company which is doing well, you can double down and put more capital behind them. So maintaining reserves is very important as one strategy. Second thing is identify what is the risk reward you're looking at investments? What are the risks that you're taking? And how do you look for returns? If you're building 20 investments, is there a strategy where you're saying that out of the 20, I'm looking for these one or two companies which can more than overcome all my losses. In that case, make sure there is ample reserve so that once you identify those one or two, you're able to plow in more capital behind such companies to create that return. Otherwise, you may have the best companies in your portfolio, but you know your exposure in those companies could be 10% of your fund. So even if they are becoming a unicorn or a decacorn, your return could be so small that it doesn't move the needle. So you got to have significant ownership, significant capital deployed in those best returning companies. But the sad part is you won't know that on day one. On day one, every company looks good. So upfront investment plus reserves is an important part. And even upfront, identifying which of the companies are very high risk, which of the companies are relatively better. So the five metrics I talked about, team, 
market competitive landscape return potential and lastly if you look at it uh, you know uh, 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 the nicheness of the market if you take each of these criteria if you are only betting on the team you're taking a very high risk but if you see that the market is growing it is competitively placed there are no other players in the market and there is already established proof points that this is a very highly acquisitive space you have a lot more check boxes so you can actually take a slightly higher risk early on compared to something where you are basically liking an entrepreneur and investing money behind them so you got to ration capital and put a uh, put some sort of a structure to make sure there is rationing and there is reserve available to double down on good investments hey gori thank you that's very that's very insightful so as you have already built the portfolio how do you how do you support entrepreneurs as a vc fund and how do you manage or how do you accomplish the exit sure so in terms of uh, you know the, the 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 way the team itself is structured so one of the things that we have done is we've actually got uh, you know our team to to actually uh, be more spread out so we have a large team where different investors are focused on different companies so one of the things which is important for us is no single investment partner is focused on more than 6 7 deals at the same time so that gives us bandwidth to make sure that you are having multiple people who are driving uh, for returns so as a vc fund another advice is go with a couple of partners uh, you know any entrepreneurial journey alone is not enjoyable uh, there has to be at least one person or two people to to share the pain and share the success so given that we are six partners today in our firm uh, each of us has six to eight deals that we are working on each of us run like a mini fund within the firm so what we do is we are very transparent it's a competitive environment but at the same time collaborative we all are working for each other success will mean all of us will make money but failure also means that all of us share that but the way we have managed is each of us is running a mini pool where each of us is invested in six to eight companies and you're looking at how is that mini pool doing on a quarterly basis so we are able to take a call as a overall fund where we have around 60 investments but each partner is looking at 6 to 8 and then you are deciding what is the return that i am able to generate where the aggregate will create a overall better return so in terms of the process itself it is important to have a regular periodic assessment of how your portfolio is doing if you have made five investments number one rule don't fall in love with your companies be very pragmatic assess all the companies be optimistic but don't be in love with the company it helps you to take a pragmatic call on whether you need to invest more whether you need to just hold or whether you need to sell do this on a periodic basis and also when you are making an investment put a plan in place if you are making an investment in a company have a view of 
if i'm making 5 million dollars of investment in this company my outlook for it to fit my construct so that i can create a 25% net return means that this 5 million has to generate a 50 million dollars for me in a say 7 year period i'm just throwing random numbers here now assume that the 5 million actually becomes 50 million in a 3 year period what do you do your original plan was 5 million becomes 50 million in a 7 year period it becomes 50 million in 3 years you have a choice you can either say it's already growing so maybe in 7 years it will become 100 million dollars or you could say it's already reached my target let me just take my exit and move out and be disciplined about it but i would encourage a third path which is take some risk of the table but also explore if it actually merits based on the fundamentals to ride the upside is it irrationality which is led 5 to become 50 soon is it a uh inappropriate incorrect planning on your end where you expected 5 to become 50 in 7 years maybe you were underestimating the potential or it is basically that the fundamentals are so strong the competitive landscape has died away and there is actually a much larger potential so be very pragmatic in that decision as well which will help you to ride that upside but at the same time now the converse of it you wanted 5 to become 50 it's 4 years now and 5 remains at 5 even there take the pragmatic call don't live in the hope that you know the growth will happen in the last two years it's all exponential growth so so far whatever has happened not to worry assess each opportunity for its merit so that you can actually take a call and don't be afraid to uh, you know write off an investment and move on i think when you do this in a very structured manner the the uh, planning for exit also starts emerging when you start seeing that you got to exit otherwise the value keeps diminishing you will figure out a way to exit but do not wait for a company to get exited so typically in mbas and even in my mba i was taught that companies are bought not sold 10 years into the vc business i can tell you very confidently companies are sold not bought nobody will come to your doorstep and say i like this company it will happen but it happens in 1 in 100 cases don't wait for that you as a vc need to sell 20 companies you you're not sitting to wait and sell one company an entrepreneur can afford to do that as a vc you got to strategize and plan if an entrepreneur is looking to build the business let them build it but you look for how you can sell in a secondary and move on because it's important for you you have a time cycle so strategizing and going out and identifying figuring out and engineering exits is is actually i would say 50% of your job 25% of your job is actually going and raising capital to deploy and only 25% of your job is actually sourcing deals and investing so if you're a vc that's how i would break down but as you grow larger you can actually have dedicated people do each of these so you have more focus and more attention a very long one answer but i hope that kind of gives a no, absolutely absolutely so what what's the most difficult part of being a vc investor 
And what would you recommend people who are trying to get involved into venture capital? You know, the most difficult part is actually saying no to an entrepreneur. That's the most difficult part. Uh, you know, the energy and, and, and pragma, the optimism of an, of an entrepreneur is uh, always mind blowing, but you're working within the confines of creating value for your investor. So it's a very tough space where you have two responsibilities. You have one responsibility to do what is best for the company where you're on the board of. You have another responsibility where you're managing somebody else's money. You got to create returns for them. And sometimes these are at odds. These are at conflicts. When you need to create returns for your investor, it means sometimes that you need to get that exit today. It means sometimes that you need to tell your entrepreneur that your optimism is unfounded and you're not going anywhere. I need an exit, but you don't want to do that. Uh, so that's actually the hardest part. So how do you manage those relationships? Because that has a long-term bearing because you're in the business of reputation. Uh, uh, an entrepreneur is, is your referral channel for the next entrepreneur to come and take money from you. Similarly, an investor is your referral channel for the next investor to come and give money. So you're sitting in the middle as a marketplace. So as a marketplace who is adding value and not just a trading platform, you got the uh, you know responsibility of uh, satisfying both your suppliers and your demand. So what it means is managing with utmost transparency, being very communicative on both sides, uh, be it an investor or the entrepreneur, and being genuinely interested in their success helps in the long run. Uh, you know, just being driven by Excel sheets will not help. Uh, also just being driven by emotions will not help. Uh, you got to have a mix of both to make sure ultimately you are in the business to create returns. So like, like I was reading somebody say this, uh, somebody, I, I was actually reading the culture book of HubSpot. Uh, you know, it's actually a very interesting culture uh, book. And many of these culture books, you should actually read some of these very successful companies, culture books, which are available openly on what defines their culture. You know, it said, you know, uh, as part of one of the points, it said that, uh, you know, hey, if you're interested in, you know, world good order, why don't you just give everything for free? The answer is, you know, I need to survive in the short term to actually do this in the long term. So which means you still got to make your money. You got to make sure that your investors get your returns so that you can actually encourage and create more returns for more entrepreneurs. So in the path, there could be, you know, two, three, four entrepreneurs whom you may not be able to support, whom you may actually have to go deliver the hard message. But look at it that you're doing that in the larger interest where you are actually going creating returns, you're creating more capital to be able to support another 20 entrepreneurs in the future. So it is a tight walk rope, but keeping it in perspective, being transparent, being uh, you know, uh, empathetic to an entrepreneur with all humility, uh, I think it's more of those soft skills uh, I don't think it's the technical skills that matter. Uh, that's the hardest part in my experience of being a VC. Wow, that, that's, that's terrific. Thank you so much, Kartik, for the conversation with us today. Very much appreciated. My pleasure.